we're excited because we're back live in the Fountain Studio. Yeah, baby. Woo. Ron Stevens has a story about Carl Reiner. We'll hear first. Then we'll welcome our guest, Max Foise. Around minute 14, we will talk Hamilton for a while. Around minute 55, there are other films in the world. Around an hour and 20 minutes, the new DVDs out there including Midsummer, And then an hour and 23, the Hill documentary. And then just when you think it's over, Lynn talks about the outpost at one hour <laughs> and 27 minutes. We have two special guests today, but our first guest, Ron Stevens, has a delightful Carl Reiner story. So we thought we would start with that. Right away. Who would have known that I would actually have an opportunity someday to tell this? It took Carl Reiner dying for the story to surface. Joy and I, as you know, worked in Los Angeles. Yes, you did. And in Hollywood. And um, you find yourself, for many, many reasons, on the studio lot from time to time. When we wrote for KRP, WKRP in Cincinnati, we spent time on the KTLA uh, Studios lot, where it was produced, right across the street from Denny's. <laughs> Denny's of Hollywood, where I had burgers with Lonnie Anderson, which was another story was altogether. Was Bert yeah. there? Or was Bert aware that you were having... No, Bert, this was... Pre-Bert? I don't, this is pre-Bert, yeah. <laughs> so so th- this time we were on the, the Paramount studio lot for whatever reason, and we, Joy and I, um, were in a hurry. We must have been late for some meeting, which is not unusual when you're with Joy. So we uh, we turned around a corner, I mean came around a corner of, of a building, and literally plowed into some old guy, twice my age, knocked everything out of his hands. Like that microphone. Script, like I just did with the mic, right. <laughs> Uh, the scripts flying in every direction, and uh, we're quickly uh, trying to pick him up and help him and apologizing, and, and it was Carl Reiner. And he wasn't mad. He was so excited about whatever this script was. What year would have this been? This was 84, 1984. So, so what was Carl Reiner doing? All of me? Could very well have been. Because that was his four That was his four movies with Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. You had start, uh, dead, uh, started with The Jerk, yeah. then Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, then Pennies, it was Pennies from Heaven? And then, um, then all of me could very well have been. All of me was the yeah. last one, and that was like right around that time. You know, interesting. Okay, so what he did was, as we're picking him up, he he stands up and he goes, "Hi, I'm Carl." And <laughs> I really, I bit my tongue before I said, "No shit," you know. I, <laughs> and, yes, uh, I know who you are. Sir. He says, "You you got to see what I'm working on. This is great." And and we introduce ourselves, and he he makes us go with him to his office. So, and this is this is the fascinating part for me. His office was so modest. It was just this little room. Uh, you, you went up a wooden staircase into a door, and there's mm-hmm. a room there. Just this little room. And, and it was a mess, and that was his office. Now, you remember the Steve Gutenberg story when Steve just set up camp on Paramount Studio office. I mean, you could do that. If you could get <laughs> on the lot, you could live on that lot, no one would know you're there. And Steve did that one day. He got on the lot, so he assumed an office. He just found an empty one ordered a phone, got a phone line in, and set up office on Paramount Lots, and that's how he got into the business. Eventually, someone figured out, you don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but by uh, then, he knew everybody. I, I, it was not pennies from heaven. It was the man with two brains. There you go. Okay. So I had the, I had the order right. I just had the wrong movie. Uh, so he's, you know, he's, he's showing us uh, storyboards and telling us about some of the scenes but I'm just so enamored with, my God, this is the guy who created the Dick Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. This he, is the, he wrote it for himself. Yeah, this is the guy who was straight man to... Um, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. The 2,000-year-old man. Yeah. This is the guy who made 
Rob Reiner. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he made Meathead. There you go. He made Meathead. Uh, and he was he he was liking us, but that's that's the kind of guy he was an extremely likable person. As a lot a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people in in Hollywood were when they were working, mm-hmm. when they were on the lot working. You were part of this club, and so you weren't shut out. Now, if I had run into Carl Reiner at an expensive restaurant and he was with his family, or at the supermarket, or even a supermarket, right? He probably he might have been nice. He's a mm-hmm. nice guy, but not everyone is, and you can't ask them to be nice to and you. And you don't know their day. You don't know anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. You don't know anything except that they're a, a big star, and uh, you don't own them, but you feel like you do. You know, in this case, certainly didn't feel that way. But he uh, he was a very warm personality, and uh, was that the only time you ever? Re- Literally oh, ran into him? Uh, yes, it is. It's the only time I literally ran into him. In fact, it's the only time that... Uh, no, here's the person I'm supposed to be meeting. I'm sorry about That's this okay. Where was I? Okay, so... It's the he, only time you literally ran into him. Right, but he gave me one hour, and he gave Joy one hour of his 96 years, and I am to this day very grateful for that. He, he taught me something. He taught me something that day. And in fact, as we were driving away, I was so excited. I kept saying to Joy, Joy, did you see the passion in this guy? This guy was so passionate about what he was doing, what he was creating, what he was writing. And that passion, to me, I, I mean, I was thinking at the time, I hope when I'm 60, because he was somewhere around 60 mm-hmm. or something, when I, when I'm, I hope I still have that passion. And now I'm 71, and I still have that passion. Yes. And I thank him for that. He taught me that. Good story. Thank yeah. you. I'll go I knew now. it was. That's why when he told it, I thought, "Oh, we have to have him tell this." Well, well now go to your meeting. Okay. Have have passion unplug for me. the next person. Unplug me. Unplug you're, me. You're unplugged. And now let's bring in our next guest, Max on movies. Max Foisy, coming Stay in. Away. <laughs> He's drinking, so be careful. <laughs> I will tell you right away. Let me get set up here. That you've seen nothing. No, I have actually seen a bunch. I what? will tell you that. Um, uh, Ron Stevens, who's very kind to pop on your podcast here, uh, his story about Steve Gutenberg was 100% true. And I know that because I always thought that was an urban legend. I always thought you can't just go into a, a studio lot and, you know, plug in a phone and pretend like you, you work there. Uh, but I had the Goot on my show As just a, a couple of months ago uh, to talk about his great turn recently in, you know, Veronica Mars mm-hmm. in the last decade or so. He was great in that. And about Can't Stop the Music, the Village People movie, because mm-hmm. uh, I love that one too. And I, 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 t- I asked him, how did that urban legend get started? And he, and, said, and he said, well, no, that actually happened. Not. That's what he did. He had no prospects, and he just thought, I'm going to fake it so I'd make it. And guess what? He did. Nice. So you and I have had a conversation, and you told me, this was about three weeks ago, okay. and you said... I haven't seen anything. I, I've been sheltering in place. Yes. And you hadn't seen anything. It's true. So in the last three weeks, did you just binge the hell out of everything no, that was I out? I lied. I lied. I, I've seen nothing. Really? Yeah. But except the main movie we're going to talk the about. The reason today. why I'm here, obviously, and thank you for having me on the uh, the podcast again. Lynn, has the name of the podcast changed? See, no, Max believes it should be called the Lynn Venhouse Show. Well, I mean, it kind of is the Lynn House podcast. I know that you, you're the Real Times trio, and I don't know if it's if it's still the trio, and then you it have is. the rotating special guests. And we I guess, do. Well, thank you for having me on. I think it's my third time on the show, so thank you so much for that. Appreciate yes. it. Well, we're happy to have you but here. But no, since the pandemic hit, I have been creatively stagnant. It has been difficult for me to 
listen to music and watch movies and read books. And I think just the anxiety of the whole, the whole thing is the music I have, because of my job with hockey, I have kept up with popular music. Mm -hmm. Like the last song I know is probably the Tootsie slide by Drake and, or blinding lights by the weekend. And yeah. other than that, that's a good song. I don't know, and like all these songs keep coming out, like yeah. Megan The Stallion, and right. I, I don't, I haven't heard them. You know, and, and I, I have, I have them on my hard drive at home, but I've just not listened to them. I only know uh, "Blinding Lights" by The Weeknd because of the SNL parody performance. No, no, no the, oh, he, the parody. Yeah, well, he, no, no, he actually was on. He was on SNL. Yeah, right, and sorry. it was great. Not and the parody. So I've listened to that one, uh, but no, I have not been able. I've gotten screening links and it's been very tough for me to break out of my own personal anxiety. So this is not a therapy session, but I will say that I was so happy this week to see something new and then to be invited on a podcast to review something new because the Max on Movies show, which mm-hmm. is over on 550KTRS, um, has been almost nonstop interviews since March. Uh, as a matter of fact, as Lynn knows, the CCA, which mm-hmm. used to be the BFCA, contacted all their members to say, we need some reviews, but they were only asking uh, for reviews from January till March because everything is different now. Mm-hmm. So I was able to send them everything that you and I, Carl, have right. done, and we did a ton between. And, and you and I, <laughs> we were talking about I could come on and talk about all the movies that I have seen, but there is no opportunity to do that because you have a small child at home, I have a small, well, I have a teenager at home, yeah. and neither one of our broadcasting facilities will let people that don't work there in them. I mean, that's the thing. I could have had you on every week via phone, but I enjoyed doing this so it much. It sounds awful it on sounds the phone. It sounds awful on the phone, and I didn't want to or do that. Skyping or Skyping. And and what, we did a year and a half on my couch. So Which, but feel, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a thing anymore. Which we still can't, we can't do that either. So anyway, thank you for having me on. And uh, of course, you should tell the listeners why I'm here. Lynn, why are we here? All right. Well, uh, let's just back check a little bit. We did take a little break when the pandemic first hit the lockdown, and then we decided to do Zoom. So we've been Zooming now for, what, two months, Carl? And you sound great all the time, and I sound horrible. And I don't know what it is because I'm using professional equipment. I don't I don't get it. I don't know. I felt like I was shouting all the time like I'm in a classroom. But no, that's why you sound good, and I don't. Well, maybe I should shout more, but no. But we had a we had a really great series of guests. We did, and so that was fun. And then, like who? uh, Joshua Ray from the Lens. Yeah, he talked about Q Fest, and he had some really fun, insightful things for us to watch and listen to. And we had Chris Clark who came on and talked about about St. Louis Film Festival. He's always good. Yes, and Tom O'Keefe got out of his little bunker. From the family arena and told us the status of what's going on with move with uh, concerts. Yeah. yeah. So we had some like, topical. <laughs> yeah, we had topical things. We had Ron we had right away. We had yeah, and we had Ron. Well, yeah, we had Ron from from his go, uh, spatial mansion. <laughs> so yeah, so it was fun. Uh, and have you talked on the podcast? Show? I'm guessing not because it was just last week. We had our first critics group, our local critics group, uh, Zoom meeting. I meant to take a picture of everybody's and, faces on uh, it. Me too. My first thought was, I need to take a picture of everyone, and I, of course I didn't. And my wife's like, why didn't you take a picture of everybody? And I said, but what a great idea from Lynn Van House to keep all of us connected, and I think we got a lot of things accomplished, basically telling the studio. We kept my cousin. Oh, we forgot to mention that it was my cousin's birthday two days ago, so oh. we should have all sang happy birthday to Pete. We should nice. have, but I forgot. Oh. It. Well, it was nice for Pete from Ally to join us. That, that is the studio lead 
liaison that we all have here. And I think we, we sort of sounded the drum that, that we want studios to continue sh sending us screener links because we're not all comfortable going back to the multiplex. No, and I said I will go uh, if it's just critics only, but I'm not going to go with the general public because with we know what those are like. masses? We know what those are like. Already. I mean, we know what they're like in good times. Yeah. <laughs> Which is gross. And so... Well, movie theaters are gross by definition. Yes, sir. Because what, what, is, the, what is the number one cliche, that is true, about movie theaters? Sticky floor. The sticky floor. Yeah. I will say I do enjoy this drive-in revival. I'm and very Walmart, excited about that. And I know I'm not a fan of Walmart because, one, they... They shut up a lot of mom and pop businesses, and two, they took the St. Louis Rams out of St. Louis. But they have announced in August they're going to convert their mega parking lots into drive-in movie theaters to help out Hollywood. So when these movies do come out, if Tenant or Mulan come out in August, they will they can be screened at Walmart's if because they're going to do the big giant drive-in theaters. And that is Walmart trying to help out Hollywood because they have a symbiotic relationship already because they sell their movies there. And yeah, who hasn't bought in the five dollar uh, DVDs from their bins? <laughs> we we have. Well, uh, they do. Uh, Walmart is still a controlling interest in Voodoo because for a long time, if you bought a movie at Walmart, you would get a Voodoo digital download code. But Fandango. Uh, which was um, uh, partnered with Rotten Tomatoes for a while, and uh, they have now purchased Voodoo. And this is of interest to me because I have about 250 movies on Voodoo, and now I guess it's a Fandango company. So hopefully they don't mess with our digital movies. Well, one of the good things about this is streaming services, and I do get a lot of offers for all these streaming movies. And thankfully... To pay my electric bill, I'm working in news, as I have for 40-plus years, and so I'm very busy in that regard because, hey, pandemics, protests, politics, a lot of news happening. So I don't always get to my streaming links in a timely fashion, but I do appreciate the offers, and I am grateful to be keeping movie uh, reviews. This I, I purchased the package of... Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus for the express purpose of being able to watch Hamilton when it dropped on wow. July 3rd. However, because we're in CCA, we got a link from Disney Plus. So I was able to watch it in my home, and I even broke into applause. <laughs> Well, several times. Do, do so you, that's what we're going to talk, talk about. Do you want to talk about Hamilton yeah. right now? Yeah. So that's why we're having Max on because Max and fan. I share a love of Hamilton. And for my website, poplifestl.com, he was going to review the musical when it came to the Fox in May. And? I was very excited about that because uh, I had not seen it live on stage. I still haven't. And uh, Lynn was kind enough to offer me a press ticket to go see it uh, with her in May and uh, under the condition that I would write about it for her website. And years ago, I had written a handful of theater reviews in a column that I called Live Action. 
and uh, really enjoyed doing it. But I kind of uh, stopped going to the Fox and stopped reviewing. And so I looked at this as a way for me to get back into reviewing theater and, of course, seeing Hamilton, which uh, would have been amazing. Well, but you've been a fan of the soundtrack for a long time. Because of you. Uh, You're because welcome. Of, of, of Carl Middleman. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, I could spend the next hour talking about the impact that this musical's had on my life. But instead of doing that, I will just try to explain to people how I first heard this. Hamilton uh, became this cultural moment because people couldn't get tickets. Right. And the tickets became so expensive, they priced people out. Lin-Manuel was upset about that. They started doing sidewalk performances. The ham for ham. Ham for ham, uh, trying to get it in in front of so many people. But, of course, I knew that I wouldn't be able to see that original cast. I had heard about it, and quite frankly, I thought it was the worst idea I had ever heard. <laughs> uh, it is a musical about not one of the big founding fathers, uh, you know, the $10 bill guy, and it's hip-hop. And I thought, that just sounds cringe. It was supposed to be a mixtape. It sounds really awful. And I was lamenting this to Carl one day when we were carpooling to uh, our old radio station to do the Max on Movie show. Mm -hmm. And Carl said, no, no, no. Have you heard it? And I said, no. And I said, well, I heard about this one song called like uh, My uh, Shot. Uh, no, uh, Guns and Ships. Mm -hmm. And it was the Marquis de Lafayette song. And Carl's like, well, I have the soundtrack here. I'll, I'll put it on. And he played a couple of minutes of that and i thought okay maybe i'm wrong maybe it's not awful it's 144 words a minute <laughs> well when we were done with the show driving home it's 114 put, sorry it's 114 per minute he put on the soundtrack from the very first song and within about a minute i i said to carl i said this is one of the greatest works of art i've ever heard and it's not just a hip-hop musical, of course. They have girl groups, you have jazz, you have uh, rock and roll, you have all kinds of different influences here. Traditional show tunes. But Carl gave me that soundtrack, and I... <gasps> I um, mean, you paid for it. Yeah, I mean, I paid for it with Carl. No, um, I, I will also say, without getting into detail, I had a major life change at that moment, yeah. and I went from one radio station to another, and I was pretty listless in my personal life, didn't really know what was going on, didn't know how I'd be able to to rise up as it were. Mm. And that soundtrack helped me so much when I was working at this new station, listening to Hamilton and Lin-Manuel. You had a longer drive too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sing about, you know, riding their way out of things and lifting themselves up. I started writing for Zeke Film because of the influence of Hamilton. I got a second career writing uh, out of that. I got a better show on my current station, KTRS. I relaunched the movie show. Well, I put lines from Hamilton in my intro to, to the movie show. So like a lot of other people, art has a profound impact on me. And if I ever get a chance to interview Lynn, I will tell him. Uh, Thanks. I, I'm sure that you've heard this from other people, but your musical helped me. It helped me at a really bad time in my life. Does, so. does him being such a powerful force in your life make you more likely or less likely to like him in something like In the Heights or Mary Poppins Returns? You know, I think that, uh, and I liked Mary Poppins Returns so very much. I wasn't expecting to. Because of him? To. No, I actually think they had too much of him in yes. this movie. We, we talked about this. We, yes. And, and so even though he was fine, I think they kind of overdid he's, it. He's uh, more in it than Bert is in the original. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think they, they kind of overdid it. But I love his work with Moana. I think he's just such a natural, talented uh, artist. And so, no, I, I, it doesn't, um, I, I, I look forward to seeing what else he does. Well, he is a certified genius. He is a MacArthur grant. <laughs> he has a grant. He yeah, has a, gra I mean, a MacArthur genius grant. Yeah. So he is and a the certified only, genius. The only reason he didn't get more Tonys is because they had people 
vying against each other in the same category. Wow. Right. So, he would have, and and he was okay with uh, Leslie Odom Jr. beating him in that. But he is a generous actor. He is as good a human being on stage as off stage. Well, so uh, our mutual friend Becca Matisson went up to Chicago to watch the the. Touring. That was the first one. That was the first one that wasn't the original cast. Right. She said it was incredible, and so I've always sort of circled uh, the performances and I was going to go in May but then I don't know if you've heard there's a global pandemic and so so that was uh, the, but that was the last show that the Fox canceled well of course because was, they wanted to try to make it as happen as long as they could yeah and I but still haven't written for Lynn's website but I will what happened the first time it was in town in what 2018 oh, 2018 Lord. April 3rd I'll never forget. Well, we saw it April 4th because we didn't go opening night. The critics. I, I went opening night because I bought tickets because there was a there was a hockey game that night that they were going to give us free tickets. So I had oh, to wow. buy tickets because, first of all, I needed three. And the Fox, yeah. bless their hearts, like only give us two, which is fine. And, and, I, and I appreciate everything that Megan does Megan's for us. Amazing. She's lovely, and I, she needs to find a good boyfriend. But, but never mind. Anyway... I, we bought our tickets and we went on opening night. And I remember saying two things on the air the next when I reviewed it. One uh, is that I call I got in trouble for saying if you don't if you didn't like Jesus Christ Superstar with John Legend, you are not going to like um, Hamilton, and you're probably a racist. I didn't probably need to put that last line in but there. It makes sense. But but in context. It was true. And the second thing was my partner, John Hewlett, said at the time, does it live up to the hype? Because you can't really review Hamilton because everything you've heard about it, you know it's good. And even if you are a rube and don't know anything about theater, you know if you don't like it, that's a personal preference, but you know that there's something special about it. Yeah, and it's, it's review proof. Before, when, when uh, different the theatrical productions have uh, transcended uh, their own genre, their own venue. And I think it happened with Phantom of the Opera, Andrew Lord Webber's Book of Mormon. I think it happened with Book of Mormon. I think it happened with Cats back where, in the where people, uh, Where people in Book of Mormon at the Fox, when it first came, uh, walked out after the first song. And to a lesser extent, Avenue Q. People who would never, yes. never go to see a, a, a performance would have seen that or, or seen Cats because it became this giant, giant thing. So yeah, I mean, certainly Hamilton is bigger than they ever thought it was going to be. Um, but I will, I will say this. Um, you know, I didn't go in 2018. My recollection of that is that the Fox was only going to give KTRS a certain amount of promo tickets. And I believe our morning host, McGraw Millhaven, got the pair of tickets, and then ended up not going. So I've always been upset with him with that, because I could say, Bar you know, uh, McGraw, you could have given that to me. <laughs> well, they're not <laughs> transferable. Okay. Well, exactly. And again, I was going to go in May. But I, when, so this filmed performance, now Lin-Manuel had said, uh, he'd hinted on Twitter over the last couple of years that they filmed the original cast. They wanted to have an archive of it. They didn't really know what to do with it. Um, Disney got the distribution rights and all of a sudden Paid a this is ton about, of money for it's, it. It's about a year ago. They said it was going to be theatrically released in 2021. This is before we even knew about Disney Plus. October. Before we knew about any of that. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was November. No, no, October. But it was of next year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then the, November was the first push up because they, were, they yeah. wanted it for Oscar consideration this year. Exactly. After In the Heights dropped to next year. Right. Exactly. Right. So they flip-flopped those. And then, of course, with the pandemic and everything happening, they decided we're going to put it on July 3rd, which is perfect because 4th of July and Founding Fathers, and it made just perfect, perfect timing. 
But I went on the Heidi Glauch show, which is our newest show on mm. KTRS. Does she I, have a co-host yet? Uh, she's got Josh Gilbert. And I talked to Heidi, and I told her last week I had no plans on watching this because, A, I don't have Disney Plus because nobody's given me their password. And uh, number two, I wanted to see it uh, on the theater, mm-hmm. even though I know the soundtrack by heart. And I thought, I'm just not going to watch it. And which is a plus fine. when you see it on Disney Plus. Let's just say that what if is? you know, since it's 114 words per minute, yes. going into this cold is very difficult. Wouldn't you recommend that with every uh, theatrical experience, though? I listened to Rent before I saw it. I listened to Miss Saigon before I saw it. I think it it involves you in the story a bit more. What, yeah. what do you think, theater lady? Um, I do. Especially something I like do. this. I mean, this Although for Hamilton, know. what I did, I mean, I knew the songs and I knew the soundtrack, but I tried, I was so paranoid la- uh, when it came to the Fox about jinxing it, about me getting to go that evening because tickets on Broadway were $400 and it's been such a hot ticket and I just, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to listen to too much of it beforehand. So when I was there with my dear friend, Tammy, uh, after the first number, and it was so electric live, we just looked at each other with these jaw-dropped Macaulay Culkin Home Alone faces, (laughs) like, oh my God. And I think uh, after that, if you are a YouTube uh, user, you can see the PBS American documentary. Yes, which I've watched. It's great. You can see all the clips, all the behind the scenes. Twitter right now is going crazy with the behind the scenes stuff. I just saw the set designer, uh, David Corrins. Is it David Corrins? Uh, posted the first time Lynn Manuel Miranda stepped on to the turntable. Okay. And uh, they're really uh, doing all sorts of uh, hype for it. But I think it does live up to the hype. And I think anybody, um, you know, you're always going to get people that are like, what is the big deal about this? I think so. I think some people, I, critically, the, and a lot of plays suffer from this, it's front loaded. A lot of the best songs are in the first act. Because the second act gets bogged down with story. It's painful. The second and it's, act. And it's that so happens sad. to movies, too. I know. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yes. The second act is very sad. So you might and be, a lot of pain. You might be asking, well, Max, what changed? Because you're on this podcast now, and you said you weren't going to watch Hamilton on, on, on Disney+. Plus. The they f- sent it to you. The fine folks at Disney decided to send me a screener link, and something else happened as well. Uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry who originated the role of Angelica Schuyler, did media on Wednesday morning of last week. Oh, well. So I thought, well, if I watch it on Tuesday night, I can I interview can. her mm-hmm. Wednesday morning. And so if you go to ktrs.com slash movies, you can actually hear my interview with Renee, which was amazing because I love the song Satisfied. I, it was It's a, another very sad song. But it's one of the songs that got me into the play pretty hardcore because I love the structure of the song and the whole love triangle deal. I think it's just incredible and very intense and not what I was expecting from that play. Uh, so I was able to interview her and talk to her. And what I'll tell you is I started it at 10 o'clock at night. It was almost two o'clock in the morning by the time I, I was over or I was done with it because I had to stop it a couple of times. Did you stop for the notes. one minute intermission? I let that go. Yeah, and I, I'm glad too. that they had that. But I was writing it's very, notes. It's very funny. It's very it funny because it's, it's one minute. It's only I mean, one minute. But you can pause it. That That's the thing. I paused it a lot because I was writing down notes about things that 
I only it, knowing the soundtrack. I didn't know about well, the costumes, you've never seen the sets, it exactly. So this all is, of a sudden, when the mo- when the when the movie begins and Leslie Odom Jr. comes out, okay, we all know the opening, right? Mm-hmm. Dun, but dun, dun, he's dun, dun. singing. Well, no, you don't know the opening because if you've only had the soundtrack, you've never hear uh, Jonathan Goff say right, anything at right, the beginning. The yeah, so exactly. that was new to you. It was brand new to me about cell phones and what have you. But also Leslie Odom's uh, intro. The cadence was so much slower and so much more intense that I instantly thought, this isn't the soundtrack. This isn't no, what I know by heart. Live. And I love that they didn't use those performances that we all, because they could have. And instead, this is a different one. This was from June of 2016, so three days. four years they did, ago. They did three days in June. So this is a mixture of three performances. Yeah. And just, it is just like a live album would be. People were, were curious about the, you know, would it be one static shot of the stage? It's not. Thank goodness. Uh, we have a lot of close ups, a lot of emphasis. Which on, you don't get when you see live theater. Of course not. And there's even some camera placement from behind the stage, like when King George comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that they showed the spittle from Jonathan. Oh, my Groff. gosh. That was so great. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, the, the, again, the intensity. But you would have never seen that if you're sitting in the back row. Of course no, not. No, no. And, and even with the duels, the two major duels, uh, on stage it's hard when you're, you know, and I was in orchestra, but I was way back in, you know, like I – can't even remember what role. Yeah, but that's but where, you yeah, don't see that. Most people don't see that. You're, you're, there's only the f- select couple hundred that are up that close that can see it. So Joe Sixpack is up in the uh, he's up in the rafters in the last row. He doesn't get to see that. I loved all of these surprises for for me, and and I, I think a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast right now probably know the soundtrack by heart. It's mm-hmm. been a part of the American Zeitgeist for a long time. Six years now, uh, right? Exactly. But but the surprises for me is characters playing multiple roles. But of course I knew about David Diggs right. playing Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson who is amazing because by the way. One in but the I, first half and yeah. one in act 2. But I didn't realize that uh one of his friends early on plays his son later on. Yes. Uh, That's very clever. And that's how, that's what was in the and Peggy, does an incredible job. Peggy, and Peggy, Peggy, yes. and Peggy, Peggy is the is the, the uh, uh, mistress. mistress. So I, I was I was blown away by the by by the rotating set. The costumes, of course, are next level. The now, lighting. Did you see is them open up wonderful. the Tonys? Did you see yes. them open up the Tonys yes, that year? Yes, I did. Yes. Which it's almost the exact same performance. It almost, and that was amazing. That was my only live performance before seeing this. Is it the stage play? Does it have that electricity? Of course not. Will I um, uh, still want to see it live? Of course. But what this does... But it's more than dro- the stage play. Well, dropping it on Disney Plus lets so many people worldwide experience this in a way that they uh, never could have I don't have know before. if it is worldwide because they... Be well, I because there's a lot of people in the U- there are a lot of people in the We're UK. About this, well, huh? I don't I don't know if it dropped in the UK today. Okay. okay. And I think that it's, I think it's going to be a controlled rollout because there are some countries that like Disney Plus is just brand new just now. Brand new. Yeah, yeah, true. Because well, it's 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 a rollout. My but point this is, is though, an American experience. And and for eight dollars you can see this, not four hundred dollars. So I think right. that that's what's incredible about it. And I know that people. I've done this now on a couple of different radio shows. And people say, Max, you're not even reviewing this. You're just gushing. Because it doesn't you know. matter. Well, but no, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's do you have anything critical to say about it? And I just did. Exactly. A, a gush can be criticism. And, and my, my critical evaluation is this is one of my favorite films that I've seen this year. And it is a film. And I mean, the, the director is the same guy that directed the stage play. He knows what he's mm-hmm. doing. Uh, there's nothing too flashy. No, no big MTV edits, which I like. You get to see most of the stage most of the time. It's seamless for the fact that it was filmed over the course of three days. It was jarring for me. And I think it'll be for some to hear the crowd. 
Because yeah. on the soundtrack, but you, you know don't what? hear the crowd. I thought they minimized the crowd because there are laugh lines. And when Lynn comes Otherwise, out, they have, yeah. when Lin-Manuel comes out the first time, normally he comes out to a lot of applause and that, and that wasn't there. Yeah. Right. But they, the line that still gets the biggest applause is immigrants. immigrants we, we get, get the, the job, job done. done. And to see this with the original cast is brilliant. Because they've all gone their separate ways. There's the synergy of this production, and this is what I've said repeatedly on Ray Hartman's KTRS show and anybody who listens to me, the swirl of the direction, the choreography, the orchestration, the talent, this mix of craft and art and talent, it is unforgettable. And it what we trade for the live energy of a production, we feel the connection with the close-ups that you would never get unless you were, and I don't even think you would get this if you're in the first three rows, Declan Quinn, a noted cinematographer of film. He is also Aiden Quinn's brother, FYI. Hmm. He used multiple cameras. It wasn't the days of great performances where they just stick a camera yeah, I, in front I, of the I stage. I think there are six different cameras. And, 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 and one of them's on, or a couple of them are on tracks. Right. Too. They had Dolly. Yeah. They had Crane. They had Dolly. They had Steadicam. And what I, happens to the audience, though, <laughs> on those nights? I, I'm sure they were told not to cheer all the time. And I think they probably, I, I think it might have been invites for these performances. But also you have to realize this is still early on in the phenomenon of A Hamilton. year into it. Yeah, right. Well, and, this and is so right after the Tonys. Have, yeah, it didn't quite maybe have the big applause. No, but it had just won 11 Tonys. Okay, well, just uh, let's just backtrack a little bit. <laughs> um, this how, how it formed was uh, after he won the Tony for In the Heights and he did uh, the uh, Spanish dialogue and new lyrics for West Side Story at Stephen Sondheim's request, Lin-Manuel Miranda was working on <laughs> this, um, uh, 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 just a work on Alexander Hamilton. It's and like Carl idea. said, it's a an mixtape. awful tape, idea. Mixtape. <laughs> well, he was read a, the biography. Well, he, was on he, but, but he was on vacation know, and he yeah. read the book and he's like, I can do something with but this. But that's an awful and then he idea. If, if I would have known him in person, I'd be like, no, Lynn, don't do this. But you all, we've all seen the thing with the president and Michelle Obama yes. when he's First just ever. he's just playing it on the piano and it's not even fully formed yet. No. And so he that's when he realized, well, I could probably do something well, with this. He did Michelle my shot. Had, I think Michelle told him, like, you have something here, you know, not, mm -hmm. not that he didn't know that. But, I mean, you have the first lady telling you to keep going. Okay. Yeah, because at first when, when she and Barack heard it, they were like, okay. And then they introduced it well, on he, the Tonys. And he, she said it's the greatest piece of art she's ever seen. He even, like, downplays it when he's introducing it, when he's playing. And he's like, oh, this is just something I'm working on. And he's making fun of himself. He's like, oh, it's about the, it's about the first secretary of the treasury. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Yeah, and then, he, even he thought it was a bad idea. So this, this I, I can't speak enough for this creative team that he assembled. Thomas Kale, who will soon be That's the really husband right. of uh, Michelle Williams. Really? Uh, yes. I didn't realize that. Yes. Well, you know, he did Fosse Verdon. Okay. Okay. Yes. So they met on set. Yes. And um, uh, Thomas Kale directed it. And if you see any of these live musicals on TV... He did the best one of all of them. He did the Fox Grease Live, which, you know, that was his cred. But anyway, so so he's the director. 
Alex Lockamore is the conductor orchestrations, which are so good. And then Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography mm -hmm. is just a thing of beauty. Which really it, struck me too, again, not having oh. seen it. I, I was really uh, blown away. I, and again, I kept pausing it to write down the notes of these names so I could put them in my review. Yeah, the fluid uh, nature of this choreography and just with the Paul Tazewell's costumes and, and even the lighting. Howell Binkley did the lighting for Jersey Boys on Broadway and won okay. a Tony, and he won the Tony for Hamilton. But the lighting. The lighting is so impressive here. It really adds Well, the so set, much. too. Yeah. yeah. The bricks and the scaffolding and the catwalk the rotating and the stairs. Stage. I mean, there, I, I had no idea that it was an in-the-round type thing, and it was uh, so impressive. I, When I talked to Renee Goldsberry, uh, who is Angelica Schuyler, I told her at 2 o'clock in the morning when it, when it was over, <clears throat> I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, the three thoughts that I had is number one, I had such an incredible emotional journey with this, which I didn't think I was going to have because I knew, I knew the songs so well. And you knew the story. There, yeah. Therefore, number two, I need to get some shut eye because it's two o'clock in the morning. And number three, I could hit play again right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Once you see it, you want to see it again. Yes. You just want to see it again. And in fact, tonight, Twitter is having a watch party. Oh. I, got, I, I have my ticket. 530 wow. is the pre-show. Six o'clock is the watch party, and I'm going to try to get in on oh, it. Oh, that's so great! I you had to get you that. had to get a ticket from Disney. It's a QR code. That's oh. so. What a great idea! What a fantastic idea! Well, let me check on that. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> but uh, but I'm long. still going to watch still, it. Yeah, oh, well, you know that I have Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, one of the things was I had to be very um, disciplined today and not turn it on this morning when I was doing other work because then I knew I would be totally distracted by You'd it. Be so sucked in and just I'm going to save again, it yeah. and watch it again. The um, uh, getting back to after uh, so 2009, just trying it on an evening evening of poetry and spoken word and music at the White House. Then we have, um, it uh, It premiered at the public, in, and that's Joseph Papp's Theater. They get a thank you in the, in the yes. movie. Yes, it was January of 2015, and I remember, because you know I am a theater geek, I remember everybody talking about this, and I was like, Hamilton? Okay. And we keep it's saying Lynn. it wrong. It's not Hamilton. It's Hamilton, an American, an American musical. Right. And and so I thought, well, it's Lynn Manuel Miranda and he's one of my heroes and I thought, okay, I will I will go with this. Um Renee uh, Bauman, she is lives in St. Louis. She is uh, one of the original cast of a chorus line. She originated the role of Christine. Dance 10 looks 3. Yes, and I was, no, 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 she's, I can't sing. Okay. She's Christine, the one who couldn't sing because she really couldn't sing. She but, was, but you know what? None of their names really matter in chorus line. Right, right. Well, she actually was part of the, uh, she, was a, uh, she was a dancer at the Muni. She went to New York to be in uh, a play, and Michael Bennett was interviewing all of them for a chorus line. She is in on the ground floor of this chorus line. So a uh, Hamilton was playing at the public on the 40th anniversary of A Chorus Line. Lin-Manuel Miranda invited the original cast of A Chorus Line to come to the production. And at the curtain call, what all of the, after their real curtain call, all the performers in Hamilton put their 8x10 glossy photo <laughs> in front of their faces. And, and did, then... And did one. And then he, uh, um, he introduced each 
uh, a live original cast member onto the stage. So she and her husband went to this, and uh, it's on YouTube, mm. by the way. It's really interesting. Anyway, she said he was so humble, and he was so nice. He's, he, an, he's a nice person from what everyone has said. Right, and he was very respectful of them. But that's the same theater where Chorus Line pre, uh, premiered, and Renee said she and her husband were like, okay, a hip-hop musical about Alexander Once Hamilton. Again, it shouldn't work. And then they were blown away by it. But she said at the public it's so tiny and that's when you, you see this but then it moved to Broadway in August of 2016 and that's when they started the ham for ham if you haven't seen any of the ham for ham lottery performances oh, they're great. They're great. Uh, the ones with the three Georges because uh, Jonathan Groff had to leave to go film uh, Mind Hunter, I guess, and uh, so uh, a- Andrew Maybe Reynolds and uh, two. I don't know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and Andrew Reynolds, a- Andrew Reynolds, and uh, uh, Brian Darcy James also played King George. Oh, that's they funny. came out and did the Skyler Sisters. <laughs> I've not seen that one. Oh, that's a, my favorite. A lot of the ham for hams are wonderful, and you can find. But there, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of because they did yes. it every day. Yeah. Well, again, trying to share the you know piece of the musical with people who couldn't get in, which is, again is why it's so great. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, if, if I can interject really quick about Lin Manuel sort of uh, um, uh, subverting expectations. I am not a fan of uh, inspirational quotes. And if I walk into somebody's house and they have a sign that says, live, laugh, love, I want to just walk right back out. Like my wife does. Well, there you go. Uh, the, except I love your wife. Uh, <laughs> but but, um, but Lin-Manuel started doing something where he would say good morning and good night on Twitter. And I would read these and they were incredible and affecting and emotional and amazing. And he eventually published a book called Good Morning, Good Night. Which I have. Um, well, but it's wonderful. And again, I'm not that guy. I don't like those things. But boy, he just cut to the chase and I thought it was just incredible stuff. Yes. Well, he is uh, one of the youngest people for the EGOT. He's got to get the Oscar yet. And he's um, tried. Right. I mean, he will, was nominated for Moana. There's um, my question. Will this movie, I mean, this is a, not, not, not a theatrical release, but I mean. There's we, no new song in it. There isn't a new song. So this can't be considered for the Academy this year? Well, it wouldn't be for best song. But what would it be for? Best actor? Cinematography, mm. lighting, direction. All I of mean, those. All it of could those. be it could for be. something, because but I, not. So, but usually they win for song. My, I would put this in my top ten though for movies this year. Well, even though it's and, not, and the Oscars said ago. that it, if it streams, it's yes. a thing, and it would have done great. So if I make this, and I'm not saying I will. It's only July, but if I make this my number one film of the year, I imagine I would get a lot of blowback because people would say, "Well, it was filmed four years ago." But it doesn't matter though. Doesn't the matter. release is this year, right? So yeah, yeah. well, they had to edit it. And well, the, yeah, the, the uh, Aretha Franklin documentary was filmed what 30 40 years ago 50 years ago and that only came out last year right so um and that's because the sound went i will say that hamilton will be in my top 10 i'm not sure how high but it will be my top 10 i am amazed at how fascinating andrew hamilton alexander hamilton's life was because who knew and and i think the rivalry with the biographer knew yeah the biographer ron chernow it's based on his book he gets a thank you um The the relationship with bemused by this whole thing. By the way, have you ever seen an interview with him? He's all like, 
uh, I couldn't have expected this, but he's very sort of like I'm getting paid for it. He, but he's also like, wow, you made something completely different now. Yeah, my, this, you know, thank you. But he's he's very he has a great humor about okay. it. Okay, besides so. the birth of our country, <laughs> the revolution, uh, every war, it has the family drama and the romantic subplots and the rivalry, which is, not, which is possibly made up. <laughs> the rivalry with Burr gives it a deeper meaning, and uh, Burr is just seething with bitterness at how easy Hamilton's climb is. And a masterstroke from Lin-Manuel, making Burr the narrator, the first voice you hear, and the narrator mm-hmm. of the story. I think that's incredible. And he has two of the best songs, Wait For It and Nonstop. And uh, Hamilton's superpower was his ability to communicate. The Federalist Papers, uh, he wrote about 59 of the essays, and he was only supposed to write like three. And, oh. and, and this urgency, I think the show has this urgency, and it shows you the American experiment. Uh, I think ultimately Lin-Manuel Miranda is very hopeful about the great American experiment. But one of the key parts of this whole thing is that he used – black, Latino, and Asian-American actors, actresses. It's about America then using America now. Yeah, it's sort of the promise of what America could have been back then using that framework, even though, of course, it did not have the same level of freedom for people of color or for women. And you have uh, they, they allusions make, they to make, that they, yeah, during but, the play. But it's not... It's not protesty. It's no, not. In it's, fact, it's, it's very saying, subtle. Yeah, it's very subtle. But they do make allusions to both of those facts. I will say, having memorized that soundtrack and having it being very important, and knowing that it's people of color performing it, still seeing it visually, what an amazing impact! Well, I'm sure there are people that have that have only heard the soundtrack that might not even be aware. Oh my gosh. George Washington, black? Well, and you know, I am so happy that you brought him up because Christopher Jackson plays George Washington. And I don't know if you saw the PBS special where he had such a difficult time reconciling playing the father of our country uh, because he owned slaves and he was not a perfect person. He went to Washington's grave to try to make peace with this. And of all of the performances and watching Hamilton on Disney Plus, it was George Washington that hit me the most. Even after hearing these songs, the intensity that he plays that right. and role you don't with, get that you from don't the soundtrack. get and so again uh you get a better pre- appreciation by seeing it this gives i give this the highest recommendation that i can give honestly fun fact christopher jackson born in metropolis illinois and raised in cairo he went to cairo high school my mind is blown. Yes, I knew you would. First of I all, knew you would. People live in Metropolis. Well, it, it, yes. You uh, go every it, year. I do. The, the, this is the first year I've not gone in about fifteen because of the pandemic. They they Did canceled they cancel the, everything. They canceled everything. They canceled Were they going to have cakes? Uh, we had some big rumors, um, but um, they have canceled it, and uh, it was very sad. I was going to go anyway, um, but I decided not to because again, pandemic. So, but so, but, but they're not doing it. They're not doing it at all. Okay. No, so Christopher Jack. And played Benny in In the Heights. That's how he and Lin Manuel Miranda became good friends. So uh, he cast him as George Washington. Uh, Christopher Jackson was at the Muni in Dream Girls mm. in 2011 oh. or 12. He played Curtis Jackson. Which so, was the Eddie Murphy part? No, that's the uh, Jamie Foxx part. Oh. 
Yeah, Kurt. It's a better part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so how about that? How about that? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So I knew you guys, uh, you know how I am with about all these little things. And uh, Philippa Sue and Renee Elise Goldsberry are, Max's who, by new the friend. way, was on my show, Max on Movies. Yes, I know. I'm just. <laughs> She's uh, wonderful. But, uh, but, but the Skylar another, sisters. Are, I was so uh, nervous. Two, two-thirds of them. I was so nervous. And Peggy, a fun fact about Peggy, Peggy. Uh, one of, you know, because <laughs> I hang around with a lot of theater geeks, um, uh, there was a costume. One of the girls told me that there was a costume on Halloween where a woman just wore a, a sign that said "And Peggy." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My, my my favorite nod to "And Peggy" is somebody made a mod of Super Mario Brothers, where you could be Angelica uh, or or uh, Eliza. Eliza. Eliza, thank you. Uh, but then when you um, went down a pipe to collect the coins, you were Peggy. <laughs> and I thought that was very very funny. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Jasmine Cephas Jones is the daughter of Ron Cephas Jones. Who plays William or played William on This Is Us, uh, Sterling K. Brown's dad? Yes. So there's that connection. Interesting. Yes, I think. Uh, okay, if you if you had to say one thing critical about, it's long. It is it is the side of it. It's if you take out the intermission and you don't watch the credits, it's two and a half hours, exactly two and a half hours. They add the one minute between Act One and Act Two, and then. It's eight minutes of credits, by the way. Which you hear the remix of my shot, you, which features from the, the roots. roots and uh, is it Busta? It Busta's on there. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The yes. The roots. And you hear then that? They and have the instrumental. The that instrumental you heard when you leave, which when you're I walking love out. Love hearing that. So those are a couple of. That is uh, something actually. else you could only get when you went to the actual show. So criticisms, uh, I no, will no, no, say. No, no, it doesn't have to be criticism. Just be something critical. Okay. I will say that the second half, not as strong as the first. It definitely I've gets always thought it that. definitely gets pretty dark and sad because that's what happened in in real life. If I'm listening to the soundtrack, there you are skip. songs <laughs> that I will skip. Watching it live, of course, you're not going to skip the the duels. You're not going to skip all that stuff. I will well, say the though, first, the Ten Commandments of dueling is great. I don't know. I usually I, I skip a lot really? of that stuff. But I will say seeing it live, I was so enamored with the stage presentation and I wanted to see what they would do with the lighting, the costumes, the sets, that I didn't skip anything. No, because you so, didn't you didn't, know, I didn't about, know you didn't know about the bullet being by the cows and everything. It was amazing. It was so cool. So again, if you know the soundtrack, you have surprises here. I don't have a lot of criticism. I think could you have tightened up the second half a bit? Possibly. But that's such a small criticism. I mean, honestly, this is a 10 out of 10. And they didn't know four years ago when they do that. He could have written a new song and put put it at the end and played it over the credits. And that would have counted for best song. Which, but you know, probably should have done that. But. Well, I think they preserve the integrity of this. Incredibly. By doing that. Um, Lynn, something critical. <laughs> well, uh, first and foremost, it is a staged musical. Yes. So you have to accept that. And uh, I have but seen, but it's not a stage musical. Like I said, Joe Sixpack sitting in the last row isn't yeah. seeing King George spit There's all over a his lot face. Of cinematic moment. I mean, even even King King George coming out is from behind the stage, which you never it, get. Which you would never get. So it is kind of a di- plus the microphones in, in their, their hair. Head. Yeah, like it took me a minute to figure out. Oh, that's what that is. Right. I don't think there's a weak link at all wow. in in the so cast. So you were saying. Wow. You can't say anything critical Flawless. about it? You're saying this is the epitome of every movie ever. Flawless. No, uh, you have to have something, Lynn. I had something. 
I, well, I said it. I started a it a point. half hour ago, saying that I think the second act's not as strong as the first. And oh. but that's, it's because the second act is so depressing. It is very sad. And you know, again, what an emotional journey. But I will agree with with Carl. I would have tightened up the second act a bit. Come on, Lynn. Right. Something. Uh, something. I don't know. I just There's gushed nothing. in my All review. Right. Um, I will. I want well, to point. You can't just judge. Pick. I'm holding you to the fire on this. Say something. Oh gosh, what am I gonna say? Do you think? Oh, okay. Did you like the fact that the intermission was one minute? Because you can pause it. It could have been ten seconds. Because you can just yeah. Hit well, pause. I thought. I mean, it I is long. It is long. It is and, long. And I, I, was I enjoyed watching. hitting the space bar on my laptop. <laughs> But um, I think for people, I, I don't know because is this I'm, movie for everyone? No. Okay, that's that is a criticism. It's, it's not for everybody. And, what if you hate musicals? Uh, see, I think um, my children were not born with the musical comedy gene, and so I don't even know if they would like it. Um, uh, you know, we talked about uh, a lot of different musicals, so I don't know. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I, I think, think I mean, it's a great. That is that is it, a criticism. Yeah, though. and it's it's I, it's a it, valid one. If you don't like hip hop, that's going to be a major stumbling block. It really mm-hmm. is because I I grew up with hip hop and, and I looked child it up. The 80s. It's 144. I keep saying 114, 144. It's 144 words a minute. You know, doing, average. Doing a cabinet meeting as a hip hop battle is inspired. It's incredible. It to me it brings me into to that fight much more than just an opera but again if you didn't grow up with hip-hop if you if you if you're not a fan or a student of that music you probably have a big brick wall will get confused yeah right i i do think that there is a learning curve here and it's not 1776 and you know how i feel about that and then also uh <laughs> i think lin-manuel miranda's uh a storytelling abilities are incredible and seeing this again because i only saw the musical once at the fox uh, you. This is an opportunity for discovery of a lot more things, and the verbal dexterity is—it's just incredible with that cast. How they enunciate everything, I think, is good. But I think hearing it again gives you new, new uh, possibilities for learning. That is learning. something I'm going to have to check out. Is there closed captioning? I wonder if there is, and if you are an old person, sorry, but if you if you are having trouble finding, I did not try to turn on the closed captioning. Every single screening or screener that I can at home, I will turn on closed captioning. I'm thinking back to it now, me on Tuesday night. The only reason why I didn't, I know. You're, you already knew the words. I know. Well, I'm singing along with the words, but that is a great, great question, Carl. I imagine there is closed captioning. I would love to see that. Also, we need to address the edits made by Mickey Mouse. Okay. Mickey so, Mouse, he oh, said. Giving uh, two, two Fs. Yeah, yes. two F words are, are well, removed. Lin-Manuel said he literally gave two Fs so the kids could watch it because there are three F-bombs in the play. And Disney would not approve well, it. Well, it's PG-13. Yeah. They would not approve it for well, the streaming not, service. It's not Disney. It's the MCAA because it was going to be released heard, as a film because it w- they wanted to keep it PG-13. Okay, but and, I, right. I, I, but also so the mouse. theatrically, they they took because I thought for the streaming service, Disney said you can't have. Well, three no, if they ones. wanted it to be PG thirteen, there could only have been one then anyway. One. Okay, all right. So they did this before Disney then, I right? Mean, for for the theatrical well, release, right? I don't know if this happened before Still or under after the banner of Disney. But you know what? I they this was Disney paid seventy five million dollars for this. Yeah, they'll get so, it back. But but the thing is, 
if it was like Warner Brothers, they might have Warner Brothers might have said, yeah, we're going to keep this in R well, with three F-bombs. My hope is, and I'm sure this will happen, there'll be a digital download or Blu-ray disc or something unedited because I would like to have an unedited version. It's not version. that big of a well, deal. Well, but here's the thing, though. They keep the first one in. The next two, for my money, and this Are is— better. They're great. I think the Southern Democratic Republicans and the Hercules Mulligan, I get back up again. Both of those are great. And to hear them edited is a little, again, it's a nitpick, but. (laughs) But that's because PG-13. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand, but, you know. They're just great lines. I just hate it. But also, I think it's also, they probably could have gotten away with it, but Lin-Manuel loves giving the line I had to give two Fs about this. It's a good line. It's a good line. Yeah. What a coincidence, though. Well, uh, Lynn and Carl, thank you so much for having me on to talk about Hamilton. I didn't think I was going to watch it. I'm so happy did that you I did. See, have you seen anything? No, I mean, that's since Birds of... No, Birds of Prey and then Bloodshot. Bloodshot was the last you thing saw I Bloodshot. saw theatrically. That was the last mm. thing I saw theatrically. Uh, and then... You have, I have Netflix, waited. though, don't I, you? I know, but, I, but you know, here's the thing, though, and this is sort of a different tangent. Um... I don't mind watching the video on demand stuff, the stuff like Trolls World Tour or Scoob or even SpongeBob um, or even something like Hamilton. Those were all going to be theatrical releases. A lot of us film critics, because we've had no choice, have become Netflix reviewers and Amazon reviewers. And I don't want to be a reviewer for an outlet. And that's what's kind of prevented me from just doing a Netflix review every week. Does but that make you, sense? You and I have been... Now, I love Netflix. They've flown me places. No, They're you, great, but you I'm saying... You and I have been said that we were shills for Disney. Yes. And for a while, we did nothing but a lot of Disney films. They own a lot. And but there were theatrical releases. But also, but they, we could say, if like, for four weeks in a row, if we did nothing but Disney or Marvel yes. or Star Wars movies, you could say that you are just doing an outlet rather than seeing a, making sure you do a Universal or a Paramount true. or a, a A24. Very true. And, you know, and, and I, I like a lot Neon. of... Neon. Listen, I've been a Netflix member since I think 2007 or 8. I was a very early adopter to Netflix back when you did only you, got stuff in the mail. Before did you get they the had DVDs every yes, once in a while. Yes. It was before they, they had something that they called Instant Watch. That's what they originally it was mm-hmm. Instant Netflix. So before Netflix became what it is now, I was a, I was grandfathered into their pricing even. That's how long I've wow. been a member. Yeah. So I have no qualms with up. them. Well, I have no qualms with them. They're amazing. And I also love Amazon. I, you know, I know Jeff Bezos is his own deal, but we've been members of them for a long time too. So, but I just, my own, I didn't want to just re, like every week Netflix had a new thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I could spend the last but couple months because, only doing Netflix. But I that's didn't want because, to do that. That's because of the world we live in right now. I get it, but I was more comfortable trying to find. And I'm not other arguing things. with you about this. No, I'm just, just curious why you haven't seen anything. Because I would like to see the video on demand stuff. You know, okay, Hunt goes home and Scoob and, and, and Trolls World Tour. And the fact that Disney said. Did you see the Hunt? No. I did. You saw I it, saw it in, a in a theater. theater. Exactly. I, I yeah. saw it at the. That was right after it was Bloodshot. Right, and, but there were only like. The there were only I saw. at least. 10 people in the theater because yeah. I saw it in the afternoon. I would like to see it. I, 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 I like the cast a whole lot. I heard that the execution maybe wasn't a great. Lot. You should come on my show and talk about we it. I should. have sound clips but from the that. Thing, but the thing is, uh, a lot of the cast that you know aren't in the movie very long. Really? <laughs> yes. It, it's a whole bunch of... Uh, Cameos. The beginning of Scream. Okay. Okay. And so that and that's what happens. But Well, don't watch Bloodshot. It's awful. I know. Uh, the most I, in interesting... fact, I told somebody that the other day. 
not to watch Bloodshot because it's not good. It's not good. The most interesting thing, thing about that is there is a young lady who plays the femme fatale in Bloodshot. And when I was watching the movie, I thought, boy, here's a person who watched Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle a whole bunch. <laughs> and turns out she auditioned to play Catwoman in the Rob Pattinson. Didn't get the role. But I watched Bloodshot and I thought, okay, you're pretty now, much being Catwoman right now. Is this going to bite you in the ass when you have to do your year end stuff because you haven't seen that much stuff you know, because, and if, if something like uh, Eurovision gets nominated for best song and you've never seen Eurovision, yes. Uh, the, the end Will of the year, Ferrell, at the end of the year, there's always a crunch time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Netflix has been good, just like Neon, A24, everybody else in sending out packages. Right. Even though we already have Netflix, they'll still send out discs. Right. Um, anything that has to be eligible by October, November, I will cram. Never, um, sometime, always, rarely. That I, that which I I've heard is amazing, and I, I, ha- I have a link for that as it's well. It's the feel-good abortion movie of well, the year. Well, I, I know, but I still have heard it's very, very good. So The um, performances are really strong. Yeah. Yes, and The Five Bloods, uh, Delroy Lindo will be nominated. For Best Actor. Uh, for Lind- and- Did you take part in the CCA uh, Zoom call? There was a CCA Zoom call with Spike Lee and Delroy Lindo. No, but why? I'm, I don't know if I'm getting those. <laughs> well, it, but it yes, but now see, was extraordinary. The Five Bloods is out now. Would you yes. watch that? Um, or would I, you wait till December? I will wait till closer to awards time. But I do love Spike Lee. I've seen almost everything he's done. Oh, I think he's an incredible, incredible filmmaker. Okay, so. what, about, what if your favorite film... I'm just pulling this out. I know he's not... But you like him. What if the next Tarantino film was on Amazon Prime? I mean, yes, I would have to. I mean, certainly. I'm, And I think Spike is in that level where I would make an exception to seek out his movie. I haven't yet because I'm sort of been or, in this okay, limbo. Lynn and I just know. watched Dr. Sleep last yes. week because right. it was supposedly the director's cut, even though I didn't think there was anything different. But mm. it was subtle But because we didn't see I that last October. I saw the theatrical October. release. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah, it was great. And it was all about the combining of the three different medias, the the book they took the a bit of the book and then a lot of the movie and too. the movie. So yeah. you had he had to, he it was an unforgivable task, Herculean as it were. But uh, Flanagan is such an amazing filmmaker it and and such a great uh, 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 storyteller. I mean, I love Haunting in Hill House. I loved his version of Gerald's Game, another unfilmable Stephen King book. Right, because and, she's naked uh, the whole time, even right. though in the film she's not. But and I get why they didn't do that. Because but, then but still be, the, right. an actress is not going to want to do that. But they still had well, a lot of. Well, I think Carla might Carla have. Carla might have. Yeah, no, but she's incredible in that. That was in my top ten uh, that year. But yeah, no, I, I will certainly as the year goes on. Once we sort out, you'll have when to think about are, this. I will. But Netflix will. is also notorious for pulling stuff off. And then putting them back on. They're like the Disney vault. It'll be interesting later on this year, not only to see when theaters reopen, but also what Amazon and Netflix do. Because and for Hulu. the past two years, and Disney Plus. Netflix has flown me to various locations to meet filmmakers, to do panels. Dolomite. Uh, Dolomite and, and uh, you know various other films. And I don't know this year. They say they still have an awards campaign planned. But of course, but that won't in, be in December. It'll be in February. Well, exactly. And so we'll have to see how all that shakes out. But I'm not anti-streaming service. As a matter of fact, the first new release I've had since Bloodshot to talk about is it's Hamilton. Hamilton. So. Now, what did you think of the devil's advocate thing that I said on Sunday night? Just letting 2020 be what it is. And at your because you know what? At the end of the year in December, People are still going to want articles. What's the best of the year? And if if Tenant doesn't come out till 2021, you can't include Tenant 
on paper, I love that mainly because I think some of the performances that you would be get overlooked, what you get. like Elizabeth Moss in Invisible Man, which is such a great portrait of trauma, and it's a genre film, and so it'll be overlooked. But I, I do think that focusing on just what was actually released this year is a great idea. But I also like in the practice. pushback <laughs> that we heard from some of the other members. Because we are in flyover country, there's been a lot of years, like, for instance, 1917. We didn't get that until January this year. Of course, we all saw it last year. But, I mean, right. in St. Louis, it, it was viewed as a January release. And so we used to actually argue. <laughs> we used to award movies a year after they came out, and it made us look really dumb. So I don't. I like the idea on paper, but I don't think that we should do it. But that be something you could do on the air, but not necessarily when we vote. We could on Lynn's website we, or on Zeke film, we could publish something saying, Hey, of the films just released this year, here's my top 10 and do a separate top 10 of eligible films. That would be interesting. It's so, and it'd be content. The world well, is weird. So. This is a crazy year. And Broadway is now closed, closed. for the rest of yeah. the year. And uh, well, look at the Muni. It's the first time that the Muni has ever canceled a season in, what, 104 years? I mean, it's incredible. Right, and incredible. Uh, MLB just... This would have been 102. Uh, That's incredible. The first time ever. MLB just canceled the All-Star game. That's okay. But how would they have All-Stars? Well, I don't yeah, understand you couldn't have that. All-Stars because they're only playing in their own division the whole time. So, I know, well, you know, insane. you know why they want to do it is because they want to keep the three separated. And so having them together kind of negates the whole separation thing. I heard that the NBA, uh, some of the organizations, some of the owners, and some of the players got pretty salty because out of 30 teams, only 22 were invited to Orlando. Right. So the other 16 said, well, we're going to do basically a loser's bracket. Right. <laughs> Which, good for them. I want to watch the Hawks play. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just going to be a year that we're going to, um, I mean, it, you can't have a normal year this year. And uh, the one of the Broadway shows that was going to open in, uh, well, when it was pushed back what, uh, November was Hugh Jackman, Sutton Foster in Music Man, and they previously announced that they the, were moving it to May 2021. The problem with Hugh Jackman and Music Man is that Music Man, the lead is not, that's a sing song. That's not, Hugh Jackman can sing. Yeah. That Why would you put an accomplished singer in Music Man, which is such a uh, not Harold Hill is not a good role. It's not, and nobody's going to ever replace Robert uh, Preston because he talked through the whole thing. He, he didn't sing. You know, maybe he will do something different. Maybe he'll actually sing, change it around a bit. Yeah, I mean, Sutton Foster. But but, see, so but you know what? Too. But that's also the, that's also the thing with Harold Hill was written for actors that can't sing and that wanted to do musical theater. But one of our favorite movies uh, that was turned into a Broadway musical, I was so hoping to see it this year, Sing Street. Oh. I have not heard yet what's happening with that, but I was... Drive it like you stole it. I was, was that your favorite movie that year? It was, in, that, my, it was, it was in, in my top it was, like it was in my five or something. Five yeah. or six. Okay, it was definitely in my top three that year. I and know. I was so... Because my son Charlie lives in New York, and I was... Uh, when, Give me tickets to Sing Street. When, when I go, um, I was going to go see Tracy Letts' The Minutes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I was going to see Sing Street. Those were my two 
to see in if the I spring. If I can trip over this name that I just dropped, Tracy Letts, also a guest on Max on Movies. Yes. I was beside myself. Did, did I send you that interview so you could listen you to it? You did not, but I talked oh, okay. to his Sorry. best friend, <laughs> Jeff Still, who I saw in To Kill a Mockingbird. I would just like I brought to up walk. Jeff to him because you told me to bring yes. him that all, and we talked about the minutes and all of that. He, yeah. was, he, was, he was amazing. He was great. I know William Peterson played it on Chica- in Chicago. From but CSI? He, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a stage actor first. I will send that to you. Before I'll, I'll he was on that. that, but um, he was only going to do the Chicago production uh, because, you know, Steppenwolf, Chicago. Uh, one of the things uh, that I want to go back to Hamilton is about is the two best pieces of, of theater I've seen in three years have been Hamilton and the Aaron Sorkin To Kill a Mockingbird starring Jeff Daniels. and uh, Which you Celia. went to New York just to see. Yeah, well, also to spend Mother's Day with my son. But I saw it on Mother's Day of 2019, and it was revelatory. And Aaron Sorkin... They're going to film it. ...used... Are they? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know... But they didn't announce which cast. They didn't announce... Which well, Jeff Daniels would have to be. I mean, we all oh. saw those promo pics of him as, as Atticus. Oh, so we have he to. was incredible, and uh, he was replaced by Ed Harris, who has since been replaced by Greg Kinnear. And then the all tour- of those guys could probably do a, a good job doing, but it would have to be Daniels. It would, it would and, have to be. Yeah, yeah. and I then, mean, nobody's going to be mad about Ed Harris, <laughs> but Greg but Kinnear. I, but it's got to. Yeah, Greg Kinnear. I don't know about, but uh, yeah. well, the the touring show was going to have Richard Thomas, John Boy. Okay. Uh, so, so anyway, the Aaron he does Sorkin. a lot of that. Yeah, Don, D- Richard Thomas does a lot of that. It's huge on Broadway, and then like I'll tour in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Celia uh, Keegan Bolger won the Tony as playing Scout, an older version of Scout. But what was remarkable? Well, first of all, that was the first show that I ever saw the acclaimed director Bartlett Shear, his uh, take. In person, I've seen him on great perform his shows on great performances, but seeing how the stage, how he moves everybody, how the cast is—it's just—he's just an incredible, innovative director. Um, but Aaron Sorkin redid the script, and one of the key tenets of this *To Kill a Mockingbird* was all rise. Uh, Scout would say this about her dad being a lawyer: "All rise," you know. Well, that's for Atticus. A, that's the Calpurnia line in the movie, right? And in the book. Stand up for your father, Norma Jean. Right. All right. So, so that that was a that was a repeated phrase. And in Hamilton, the song "Rise Up." Mm-hmm. So I think that's very powerful. The the use of "Rise Up" and the use of "All Rise," and I think both of them speak to our times. And the fact that "To Kill a Mockingbird," when we saw it, my son and one of my late friends' son both looked at each other and said we're still talking about this stuff this is still going on today Mm -hmm. so what Hamilton was striving for and what Mockingbird was showing we're still dealing with this today 2020 and so perhaps uh see I I do think that Hamilton makes you believe in the American dream and it also makes you proud to be an American, but it also shows how much farther we have to go. And I think for Fourth of July, that's a great uh, thing. Yeah, that's a great thing to celebrate because we can't celebrate this year traditionally. Think about this, you guys. Normally in the summer, Carl and I are going to the Muni. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Grand Center for I'm theater. I'm going to Grant's Crawl. Farm. Yeah, um, us too. 
Uh, the Cardinal game is always on the background. Well, at least they're at Bush Stadium this weekend. And But uh, we just can't go. <laughs> right. And uh, the sounds of the summer, the traditional sounds of the summer. We're all going to the screenings, Ronnie's, uh, AMC, the summer blockbusters. We would have seen giant movies already. Black Widow we would have seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, giant movies. Mulan. And uh, Quiet Place Two. Yep. Well, that would have been the f- that was the first one that got dumped. It was the first one, and then and then in- industry people had seen Mulan as well. Those are the two that I've seen on Twitter that people have seen Quiet seen Place it. Two and Mulan. It, even locally, Pete saw Mulan as well, mm-hmm. so it was wonderful. What they liked about it, so so it's we're all out of kilter. We're it's just well, it's just a weird weird time. Bef- before we go, Max, what would be the movie that has been postponed that you? Or is coming up that you are most interested in seeing? Probably Wonder Woman 84. I really like the trailer with the New Order song, Blue Monday. I think it's super interesting that they're bringing in uh, Maxwell Lord, uh, played by Pedro Pascal, uh, who is the Mandalorian. But he's a great Wonder Woman villain. Kristen Wiig as Cheetah should be interesting. I like that they've said it's not really a sequel to the first Wonder Woman because obviously there's some strange multiverse timeline things going on because mm-hmm. Steve Trevor is back, Chris Pine, and it's set for which is in not the 80s. spoilery because it's no a, he's, he's, in, a, he's in the trailer. But I think that DC is leading towards the Flash movie, which will reset Flash their point. entire uh, yeah multiverse, which is again a brilliant idea. Grant Houston, well, Grant. Uh, Ezra, Ezra Miller, Miller was, was on in, the Grant show. Yeah, he exactly. was he was in the Crisis on Infinite Earths and has said that he already has an Ezra Miller already has an idea how Grant Gustin can be in the Flash movie. And they've also talked about bringing in Michael Keaton to play Bruce Wayne Old, from right. from that era. And so again, DC is very smart. So I, I think well, watching whoa, 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 Wonder whoa, whoa, Woman eighty four. What did you just say? DC is. I will say they're being very smart now. now. <laughs> Bring, bringing back Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, which will be, I think, the preferred cut going forward. Nobody's going to watch Justice. But do you really want to? Do you want to watch a four-hour Justice yes, League? I do because I think it's actually going to make this cohesive. Will, okay. Okay. So. so Joss did the Joss did the Wonder Woman bank scene. Is that taken out or is that kept in? It's taken out. Nothing that Joss has in there is. That's, is, a, that's one of the better parts is, of the movie. Is a, yes, but it's one scene, and I'm fine with that. No, but so my answer is Wonder Woman 84. Okay. All right. So we're not we're not going to debate uh, Justice League Snyder Cut right now? Well, you know, listen, if you want to have me back on to talk about DC, I own all the DC movies digitally. I've been a big proponent of DC over Marvel the last couple of years, even though I like a lot of the Marvel films. I think that there's a great universe there. And I'm happy to see that they're... Someone's just got to find it. I'm happy that they're fixing it. I love Birds of Prey. I think that is a step in the right direction. And James Gunn has another Suicide Squad with Margot coming out. It's going to be great. You want it to be great. Yes. And what's funny is I didn't like the Guardians movies. But I'm hoping that (laughs) this is a good one. Now, now speaking of that... um, so you didn't, you, no, I, I, how do I, how do I put this? Um, are you interested in seeing the King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow? You know, I, I have much like every other critic on the planet. I like Judd Apatow's movies, except for the last half an hour. Too long. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, and that, that, that's a standard criticism of his movies so much so that I think people don't even listen to it anymore, but I think it's true. But you know what? I to- Lynn and I were watching it together and I said, oh, if it ended here, it would be perfect. And then there was another 45 minutes. Well, and you know what? That happened with Trainwreck. It happened with uh, so many of the movies he's worked on. I think the, the most uh, egregious example 
or, or possibly the best example would be Funny People, a movie with Eric Bana uh, that I, I loved until mm-hmm. the last half an hour because you, right. you just didn't need it. It but, just but, goes but an, an, in a wrong an, direction. An, it does. It really does. But until that, I thought it was really insightful and really heartwarming. So I do like Judd. I th- wish that Judd had an, an, an editor. editor. That's all. Yeah. So I will get around to King of, of Staten Island. When I first encountered Pete Davidson on, on SNL, because my wife and I watch it every week. I always have my whole life. That's a show that I grew up with. And I've my in-laws have bought me the original seasons on DVDs, so I've gone Which back and watched those. Which are not as how you remember them. No, they're not. There's so many bad the moments. Muppets. Yeah. yeah, you've seen. You've only seen the good. The highlights. Episodes. Yeah, I mean, SNL always has bad moments. Weird. But anyway, my point is, I'm a I'm a big SNL guy, and when Pete first came out doing the weekend update stuff and then his random sketches, it reminded me so much of the early '90s with Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. where Sandler was very sort of of the youth and counterculture and weird and Lauren didn't know what to do with him. And of course and now four, he's four voices. Now he's Adam Sandler, but mm-hmm. at the time he was just this weirdo. And I thought, well, Pete is, Pete is very funny mm-hmm. and he's very different. And he's, and I, I get why he's popular. I, I do like Pete. So I will really? watch the movie. Yeah. Because I, I have I, not yet. I don't think it's going to get any awards because once again, well, Lynn really liked the Steve Buscemi performance. Well, the, and, and Steve Bill Burr is an actual firefighter, so right. And Bill right. Burr is actually pretty strong in it in a thankless role. Yeah, <laughs> he was, was a Mandalorian as well. Yes, he was. Yeah. And if you watch the now, oh, you you don't. I was going to say now that you have Disney Plus, you don't have Disney Plus. I don't. But you could. Uh, I did watch docu- Mandalorian. I got the seven day preview and I watched Mandalorian. The documentary series. I know is so good, and they oh yeah. Lynn, what what would you like to see? I want to see Tenet. You want to see Tenet? Because I'm, I'm a, a huge Christopher Nolan fan, although I'm not the biggest fan of Interstellar. No. Nope. Um, and so Same. I will do that. But uh, I just, that cast is incredible. I like J.D. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad J.D. Washington's coming to the fold and Robert Pattinson I too. I like that because we Elizabeth DeBecky is in the movie. She was great in Widows. I, I'm really happy that she's in this movie. So I will do that. But Max, there's a documentary on Netflix called Crip Camp, and I highly recommend that you see that. It's uh, uh, about uh, watch it for fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's about uh, people, handicapped people. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. handicapable. So Crip Camp it, actually is about yeah, well, handicapped. That's, well, that's, um, that's what it, they call themselves. Sure. It is uh, the group that started the movement that led to the ADA. Okay. Wow. Yes. And and uh, they were all at this hippie camp for kids with disabilities. Crip camp in the 70s. They and they that. bonded and they started this protest and it shows their struggles. And, how come and, our ramps don't go down every Yeah. And stuff it showed, you take for granted it now. Show, huh? It showed how, how much they had to go through. It is produced by the Obama's Higher Ground Productions. They signed a deal with Netflix to do a bunch mm-hmm. of okay, interesting. Yeah, and it premiered at Sundance. A lot of the things we're seeing now premiered. Yeah, at they premiered Sundance. at Sundance and they didn't have distributors. Mm. Um, I would say I would like the I will answer my own question. Just what would you like to see? I can interject and say that uh, I know that Lynn didn't jump on and say, boy, I can't wait to see Wonder Woman because she probably doesn't care. No, I, I like Gal Gadot. Is, is, it's uh, Gadot. It is Gadot. Oh, gosh. I have. Sorry. Well, no, she okay. said on the Tonight Show, everybody wants to pronounce it like it's French, which I get, but, but she's, she's Israeli, Israeli. <laughs> and it's just Gadot. Um, I have almost no interest in seeing Tenet uh, beyond the cast, uh, and that is because I am not really 
a big Christopher Nolan person. He's let's say he's made twelve movies. I've enjoyed six of them. He's hit hit, hit or miss with me on his best day. Hit or miss is a so great. I, I'm not Kane a big. Is in it but I, yeah, was, but Michael Caine <laughs> was in four kids. And he was it in this Jaws: week. The Revenge. It doesn't mean anything. I know, All right. but he's still so good. Anyway, Carl, what would you like to yes, see? I would like to see the MCU start back up mm. uh, because, you know, it's every five months for the last 10 years, yeah. and we've had to wait. The last movie we had was Endgame, and that was a year ago. No, which, I guess it would be Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spar- far From Home. Far From Home. Which was a year ago. They just had the year anniversary, like yesterday. I know. I just yeah. noticed on my Facebook memories, I was talking about it on KTRS with Jay and Ray. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, like I would the like to see Black Widow. I, the trailer lo- looks great. I know that Florence Pugh has said this could be, this is probably a spoiler from her, a standalone franchise, meaning she would almost want to do another Black Widow movie, which is Weird. interesting because mm-hmm. it's a period piece. Right. Oh, oh Carl, the mid, uh, Midsummer director's cuts out, so I'm sure you're going to go no, more the DVD. No, and... no, you have to buy it. You can't rent it. I am so angry about this. Here is a movie I hated. I don't like this movie, and I really want to see the director's cut. Same. I, it was my worst film. I, uh, hate, but I, I don't like Ari Aster's movies. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't like, uh, what was his other one? Garbage. Uh, uh, hereditary. 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 I didn't like Hereditary. You didn't like the end of Hereditary. I didn't like all, I the mean, end. besides yeah. Tony Collette, I didn't like that movie at all. But he is a great director of people. Florence and Tony Collette and both of their movies are amazing. No, I have no, heard. She's that, not amazing in I that movie. She, kind of the amazing. whole movie is awful. I have heard the, so much great things about the director's cut. I desperately want because to see it. Because the end of the movie was like one third of the week. It's apparently an hour longer and I cannot wait to see it. I think Dan saw it and he won't tell me because he knows I hate it so much. You and I hate it. Really didn't like that. It was my number one movie of the most disappointing last year. Obviously, if people go back and listen to our review, KCRS.com slash Maxim movies, I will, I'm more forgiving towards it. You are. Um, but I still, I still did not like it, but, uh, but Lynn, uh, you've said that the director's cut, which they said was not going to be available. It was was released in theaters for one week and Apple, I think has the right to it, but you can't rent it. You have to buy it for 40 bucks. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to buy it. No, who's going to buy that for $40? Well, if you loved Midsummer, I guess, but I do want to see it. There are people that you used to work with. One of your former hosts loves that movie. Really? Yes. I, I would be. Hard pressed to understand the mentality of someone who would love that movie. No judgment. Uh, but you know who it else? Just uh, 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 Stockman loves it. It is awful. It's an awful movie. But he's a big fan of the B movies and the gold. It's an, uh, the whole no, jumping it, off the cliff thing, and it's, the, it's awful. It's, it's awful. There is an hour in that movie where nothing happens. Well, nothing. And yet I'm clamoring to watch a longer version. No, but, but see, <laughs> if I'm watching that, I can skip over the drug part. Unless well, they unless they unless made the drug part unless it goes some I mean, that's it, the thing it doesn't well it anyway, doesn't in the regular anyway, I'm sorry movie. we went off on a tangent Lynn well said it was I was just I was just going to give you guys an update about what's available on the DVD and Blu-ray yeah. and digital Max so, hasn't seen him uh, so Midsummer director's cut is available yes. now if you buy it um okay so June 30th uh, the short history of the long road it's a road picture with Danny Trio in it. Um, I have not watched it yet, and uh, but I like it, and and yeah, then and great. then there's the four kids in it DVD Ugh. Blu-ray which Ugh. Carl talked about last did week. You, a little bit. I haven't did seen you? Did you want? I told you not to watch it because it's. I've so never had a press entity uh, throttle me like take me by the shoulders and throttle me and slap me around to say please 
take a screener link to this film. And I refused. But I mean, I got Don't. more emails and phone calls from the company wanting me to interview Paula Would you Patton. Paula Patton? What? And I'm like, no, I don't. That's fine. I don't want to do that. And I like Paula Patton. <laughs> sure. But I just, it was funny that they kept knocking on my door hey, and I said, no, I don't want to. This movie's garbage. This. <laughs> now, Tuesday, uh, a movie that the, the uh, jury for the SLIF, the St. Louis International Film Festival, uh, called Balloon. Jim Batts loves yes. this movie. That comes out on I've seen DVD, Balloon. Blu-ray. You, so you saw Balloon. I did see Balloon. That was... Uh, okay. Were, were, were we closed down, though? That was like March, I think, that yeah, I, I watched well, the screen. It was think, right around that time. I think I Jim got us all the link to it yes. because uh, when they when they picked it as it was their for favorite Sliff or narrative yeah. feature for Sliff, they loved it. Yeah. So that is available Tuesday. When does the Hill movie come out? Um I have a link. It's going to be at the. It's going to be at the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase, July 10th through 19th. Okay, online now. But you can get a link from Marla. Right. Um, I would. I the the filmmaker was on with Debbie Monterey the other day on KMOX, Mm -hmm. and my wife's like, "Well, that means you can talk about it." It's like, no, the movie doesn't come out till the 10th. But I did enjoy it. It's very positive. I did learn some things about the hill. Uh, let me just say this. My grandparents are from Italy. My great-grandparents came from Italy. My grandmother was born here in 1915. But I always wondered why they never lived on the hill. They lived off of Enright up in North St. Louis. There was a separate little Italy in North St. Louis. I didn't know that till I found this film hmm. out, and, and it's barely mentioned. And I always said, why didn't they ever live on the hill? What I learned from this documentary... It's called uh, The Hill, America's Last Little Italy, because it's it's hard to get a house on the hill. It is, and you have to be approved by the parish. Right. St. Ambrose. And so some people say that's – the houses are passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And they, and they say it's not a racial thing. It's not to keep people out. It's just that they want to keep them in the family. Can I say that it is a great area of town, and I always enjoy visiting. I always enjoy hanging out with friends and eating at the amazing restaurants. So I have nothing against the hill at all. I, I live pretty close to the hill, and I, I think it's a wonderful place. But the thing I learned <laughs> is that the reason my great-grandparents didn't live on the hill and they lived up in Little Italy is that the people on the hill are from Milan, and my grandparents were from Sicily. And oh. the northern Italians did not care for the Southern sure, Italians. Sure. And that it's barely touched on in the film. But now I know why they never lived. Oh, yeah, they hate it. And if they, oh, there's these old ladies talking about, oh, yeah, if you were talking with a, a Sicilian accent, they'd say, speak Italian. Oh, that's funny. Oh, well, well you know, Kimmel's was in North St. Louis. It was uh, on Grand for the longest time. And it just used to be, I, I remember going there in the 70s when it was just like a spaghetti house with the checkered tablecloths, and then You're it out in turned Westport into now. yeah, she she. So so I would snakes. like you to if we do this next week, I want you to see it, Lynn, so we can talk about it. I'm gonna watch it this. It weekend. is it is. Max is not seeing any movies, so. Uh, you know what? I might have turned the corner after watching Hamilton, thanks to my pals at Disney+. Plus. If I can, in closing, once again, thank uh, Lynn and Carl for inviting me mm-hmm. back on here for my third time. And uh, I also wanted to ask uh, if I could borrow a password to Disney+, Plus so I can watch Dolphin Reef, uh, which is narrated Natural by Geographic. one Your Natalie favorite. Portman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I could not get through an entire podcast without mentioning her name. So I almost I like texted to. you Saturday because they showed the one where she has the uh, the rap song. 
Oh, it was on. Uh, it was uh, Natalie's rap on yes. set, the first the, or the second one. The it was the nine o'clock episode of Saturday Night Live because they do reruns of the current yes. season at ten thirty or eleven thirty Eastern, but the primetime one that they the hour long condensed version mm-hmm. was Natalie Portman. I don't know if it was first Natalie's rappers. I, I, I didn't watch it, but I did notice it. Sure, Max, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Max on Movies. That's where you can find a link to ktrscom slash Movies. You can also buy me a coffee, which is a nice thing that the kids do. If they like to support the show, you can spend a couple of bucks right there. So you go to twitter.com slash Max on Movies. And Lynn, where can we find you? I am on KTRS every Thursday night at 1030 with uh, uh, Ray Hartman, St. Louis in the know, the big 550. I am uh, in the Webster Kirkwood Times online only now, no longer a print Mm -hmm. publication. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And uh, we're here every what, what do you think weekend? I don't know. We try to try. We are on uh, in on iTunes and SoundCloud. Ooh. Oh, and we wow. also um, I'm on all the socials. And Carl, where can we reach? Yeah, where can you? we find you, Carl? Oh, Max has his mask. I have on my now. mask on now. Uh, you can find me at underscore Carl the intern on Twitter and Instagram. Even though I haven't really been, re- I did retweet something the other day. I did for the first time in a long I've time. I've not been on socials for a while either. It's exactly. weird. It's weird. It's just, Everything's yeah. weird. And I, I did I did <laughs> mention after the embargo was lifted on Hamilton because it was June 30th, I did uh, share my thoughts. I tweeted my thoughts. And I'm wearing my Hamilton mask. If oh, you nice. go to if you go to playbill.com, um, it, it is also part of the proceeds of benefit the actors fund. And as you know, none of them are working right, right. now. So so, um, yeah, support your fellow actors. Uh, real quick, there's a movie called The Outpost that opens today, video on demand, by Rod Lurie, the director who did The Contender, which is a great movie. And he is a graduate of West Point and a former soldier. And this movie is about the Battle of Camdish in the Afghan War in 2009 that yielded two Medal of Honor people and uh, he wanted it to be a theatrical release because he well, does all it did. from the point of view of the soldiers so he asked that you watch it in, you know not the on the laptop of July. And, and also that but interestingly this cast is pretty much no name but it's Scott Eastwood and Caleb Landry I've heard of him. Jones I've heard of him uh, he plays Ty Carter one of the Medal of Honor winners and uh, it is also uh, some famous people, Milo Gibson, son of Mel. Oh. James Jagger, son of Mick. Wow. It has a Alan Alda grandchild, I think, in it, and also wow. Richard Attenborough's grandson. So it's got a few names. Orlando Bloom plays the... You said it was a no-name cast. Katie and you've been... Perry, baby daddy. You, you said it was a no-name cast, and then you keep dropping all these names. <laughs> I know. Also, even from Scott Eastwood, they're all the children of other people. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, I mean, they're We're not, all the children you know, of other people. We're all the children of other people. They're not A-list. <laughs> but, true. But Orlando Bloom plays one of the soldiers. Anyway, this was the bloodiest battle. Jake Tapper did the book. It was the bu- bloodiest battle in uh, this, this uh, outpost called Keating. Basically, they were sitting ducks to the Taliban. The Taliban sent hundreds to attack them. They killed about 150 Taliban 
eight Americans killed, 27 wounded. Anyway, in light of what's going on in the news. And that's called Outpost? It's called The Outpost. The Outpost. The okay. Outpost. And I'm it opens it today, video on demand. And uh, one of the things that it does, more so than the thrill of victory, is about the sacrifice of the soldiers and the bonding of them like band of brothers. Mm -hmm. So that's the key takeaway. It is a war movie, so you've got all that... Uh, you know, it's not a pretty sight. Let's put it like that. Well, happy 4th of July weekend, everyone. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. And, and uh, I would love to hear what people think of Hamilton. Tweet you, Lynn. Or go to your Facebook page. Yes, and say, what do you think? And if, if you think it's not critic-proof, prove us wrong. <laughs> I think it meets the moment. Bye-bye.